Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, it is Monday on the week of the Tar Heels' first game of the 2022 regular season. And you know what that means. The Tar Heels have officially released their depth chart for this season. And along with it today... They released the name of their starting quarterback for that first game. So we're going to dive into all of that today. Josh Marlowe is here with me, and uh, buddy, it is game week. We are uh, now gearing up officially to turn the page to this 2022 season and put that 2021 season officially in the rear view. And uh, it's definitely an exciting one for us, unfortunately, not able to make the trip up there. Uh, but this is uh, a time of excitement for uh, Tar Heel fans that are really just looking to move forward after last year. Yeah, you know, you've said a lot here leading up to the season. It's time to turn on from 2021. And the only way we can actually do that officially is if this team responds in 2022. Because of what you did in 2021, which is one of the biggest underperformances in the history of the program, it, it, lo- it led to a lot of questions. It led to... Coaching, uh, coaching, coaching staff changes, um, the the way you want to build your roster and the like, and you know we we kind of said early on in the offseason this was a crossroads seasons for Mac Brown as he is year four, but it's just twenty one and seventeen in this three years in Chapel Hill, very not up to par with what we thought we were going to get when he returned roughly four years ago. So, uh, but with that, with with the questions and concerns 
there is reason to have some optimism because this is as, this is as talented a football team as we've seen in in, in quite some time. Um, you've got you got guys you got guys on both sides of the ball that are going to be a lot of fun to watch and should be big time playma- uh, playmakers and should be household names not just in the ACC but across college football. So, um, but but as I said, the only way you really turn the page from what you did last year is if you respond in a big way this year and they start that journey on Saturday night in Keenan. Yeah, and I, I mean. I think they got a chance to do it, uh, especially early on in the season, because I feel like if they can get that game at App State, that will give this group a lot of confidence. But as you mentioned, it starts on Saturday against Florida A&M, and we found out who is going to be the starting quarterback for that game. And this was a battle that really, if you look at it, started last offseason to you know see who would be the actual backup to quarterback Sam Howell if he went down. Um, we saw that scenario unfortunately come up in the game against Wofford towards the end of the season, and both guys played. And it stayed that way through the spring and all the way into fall camp. But Mac Brown, as he promised us over the last couple of weeks, uh, did make his decision on Monday. And he said, and I quote, that Drake May will take the snaps first at quarterback for the Tar Heels. So that doesn't necessarily mean that we won't see Jacoby Criswell in this game. Um, The way that Phil Longo summed it up is probably the way that I think it's best summed up, which is that this is a a scenario where if Drake May plays well, you will not see Jacoby Criswell. It is his job. They are going to give him the chance to go out there and prove himself. But if there is a reason for doubt, if this offense is struggling to move the ball, they will not be afraid to go to to Jacoby Criswell, especially early in the season. And I think that's more of what people should sort of take away from what you heard from Mac Brown in terms of the fact that they could play two quarterbacks. He said that, you know, over the last couple of weeks and reiterated it once again today, really, you know, especially when he was talking and and really avoiding the questions that people were throwing at him as to why exactly they went with Drake, basically saying that, look, we're not going to tell you, you know, what we saw that was, you know, the separation because we don't want you guys blowing this out of proportion. These guys were extremely close and we need the other one ready to go if that person is needed. So we'll see, but it feels like Drake May is going to get every opportunity to prove himself, and he'll have a good opponent to do that against in Florida A&M, an FCS opponent that you would feel like with the talent that Carolina has, even though some of it might be um, you know, a little bit young around him at the skill positions, you feel like this is one opponent that Carolina should be able to take advantage of, even with the new quarterback. Yeah, look, I don't think you know. I think we both expected Drake May to emerge as this team's starting quarterback. Um, I, I think his his physical upside and what he what he has the ability to do on the football field will be a lot of fun to watch. Um, but I do think you're going to see Jacoby Criswell in this game. I think it matters in what capacity. Are you seeing him when it's seven nothing, fourteen nothing? and he's getting meaningful game reps as they're still trying to kind of sort this thing out? Or are you seeing this thing when it's 35-7, 42-7 deep in the second half, and, and, and Drake May, um, you know, he's on, the, he's on the sidelines for precautionary reasons. You know, I would mentioned earlier in the offseason that I did think eventually it was going to be Drake May, but I thought this battle was going to linger into the season due to that, that road game at Appalachian State. 
where you would like to have your most experienced signal caller maybe under, you know, in the shotgun for you that game, that being Criswell. But um, we also stressed it was important, we thought, for this team, if they wanted to be the best version of of themselves, to have this sorted out before the season got underway. And mm-hmm. it does appear that for the most part, barring something to where Drake May just comes out and is just having a terrible start, he's going to be this team starting quarterback barring injury. So um, I think that's a good thing for this team. It allows Phil Longo to game plan with Drake May moving forward. Um, and we look, he had a lot of success with a, with a freshman quarterback in Sam Howell. Um, there's a lot of things that Drake May does just as good, if not better, than Sam Howell. So we we shouldn't be overly surprised if he does come out and have a good start to his college career on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, in terms of Criswell, I think that, you know, I I believe with what we've heard from the last couple of weeks, there has been more separation between these two than the coaching staff will let you know. Um, because it seems weird to me that when they were at ACC Media Days, which was really right before the start of camp, there was the notion that we might play two quarterbacks. But within a week, that notion had quickly turned. And we, we've heard this from Mac Brown plenty of times before, primarily the story of the 2006 battle at quarterback between Colt McCoy and Jevin Sneed. Uh, what they do is when they come back from the player-led practices in the summer, they go around to the guys on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball as well, but they mainly talk to the guys on the offensive side of the ball, and they ask them, who do you think throughout the summer was the better quarterback? And if it's a consensus, that is taken into account. And I feel like that is probably what happened here, Um, and it makes sense. I mean, as you mentioned, there are a lot of things that some of the evaluators have talked about with Drake May uh, that they believe he is better at than Sam Howell. I don't think that the ability to throw the deep ball is probably the one, Um, but I think just about everything else, as you mentioned, is on par or probably a little bit better than Sam. Uh, one of the things that I think is going to be interesting to see almost immediately with him and an area where Carolina needs to be better this year is having a guy that doesn't hold on to the ball as long as Sam Howell did at times in his career at Carolina. Can Drake May prove to be that guy that can get the ball out quicker, that can avoid those sack numbers that we saw from Sam Howell, which, look, I mean, a good portion of that was on the offensive line. There's no doubt about that. There's a reason they made a coaching change down there or you know, ended up lucking into, as we've talked about, a coaching change. But at the same time, You can't deny the fact that while Sam Howell did some really good things at Carolina, one of the things that he struggled with was holding on to the ball way too long to try to make big plays. Is Drake May a guy that can sort of eliminate that from his game? Because if he can, you know, he can really do a lot of the same things that we saw Sam Howell do. And I think he can spread the ball around probably a little bit better than Howell. I think, you know, just from going back and watching him in high school, he reads the defense about as well as any high school quarterback that I had seen in person um, when it comes to reading all three levels. Uh, he really does good work with those intermediate, that 10 to 20-yard passing patterns, um, and and he can just pick people apart. And that's kind of what Carolina, that's kind of what this offense really thrives on. Now, what's going to be different about this offense from what we saw last year and maybe even a little bit in 2020, 
the running element of this offense is not going to be as strong from the quarterback perspective as it has been the last couple of years. Drake May is a thinner guy. He's a guy that can run if he needs to. But I think this offense is probably going to look a lot like the 2019 offense where most of your running yards are going to come from your running backs and your quarterback is going to be a guy that's back there to make the throws that he needs to make. Um, The thing is, is can you get weapons to emerge around Drake May now? Did he have enough time to get acclimated with his first-team teammates? Um, And will that cohesion carry over early enough into the season? The good news is, is that, look, you play in week zero. And, look, practice is great, but playing a game is even better. Um, those are the types of reps that you want to see. This is basically, you know, it's it's equal to a, a preseason game in the NFL, but granted, this is against an FCS opponent that is pretty legit in terms of, you know, what they did a year ago and the type of, you know, defensive players that you will see going against you. So I think this will be valuable experience for this team. It's still a game that you should win, but you throw your quarterback out there in a scenario Uh, that you think uh, he should be able to take advantage of. Now, the other concern that a lot of people have, and this was something that really started getting more and more buzz last night, was that a lot of people thought that if one of the, whoever lost this battle, if they did end up going ahead and naming a starter as we thought they would today, that the loser of this battle would enter the transfer portal. Are you concerned about that at this point right now? I think that'll be uh, after the season matter or whenever they have their – usually whenever Carolina has that late season by, Mac Brown likes to sit sit down with the roster and kind of you know tell them where they are at that point in the season um, and, and what what's looking ahead in the offseason. And, and, like, usually you'll see that, that start happening then. There's no guarantee that Carolina's not going to need Jacoby Criswell at some point this season to help them win football games. There's no guarantee that even though he's the backup, he won't have a role on this team in some form or fashion because he can do some things with his legs that maybe you you need to do when you get inside the red zone or something like that to where you know you have a special package for him. I know they're not talking about that, but that could be something that could evolve as the season moves along that this offense does struggle in certain downage and situations. So right now, no. I mean, look, this is the era that we live in. You, if you're going to have a battle – and you're going to pick a winner, usually that loser, and I mean that in the in the sense of losing the battle, not the match being a loser, that person's going to transfer thanks, you. Thanks for the clarification. You, you saw it with, uh, you know, what happened with, with Sam Howell, Jace Reuter, and Cade Fortin. Both those guys would eventually exit the Tar Heel football program. You've got a guy on the roster and Connor Harrell that they're really high on as well, um, projecting to the future. You've got Tad Hudson. Um, from Huff High School here locally in Charlotte you have coming in in the future as well. So at some point, this quarterback room is going to be very muddy as well. So I think there will be a, there'll be a, a time and place where Criswell does exit the UNC program. I've always thought at some point he'd be back in Arkansas in some form or fashion. I just don't think that'll happen right now. That'll be a later in the season or after the season move, if that move does happen, in my personal humble opinion. I think you're right. I, I think – you know, we saw it. We we even saw it with Sam Howe. Remember, back in 2019, he gets taken out in the game against Wake Forest. He gets removed by the coaching staff because he was struggling. Jace Reuter comes in and tried to settle things down until they eventually put Sam Howe back in the game. Now, look, 
I think Jacoby Criswell would probably have a little more success than even Jace Reuter had uh, when he came in for Howell back in, in that game against Wake Forest a few years ago. But uh, I think he's a guy that knows, look, I, I may get my opportunity here. There is no no guarantee that Drake May is going to come in and be successful. We think that he's set up to have plenty of success. There's no doubt about that, and we're confident that the coaching staff went with the right choice here. But at the same time, if you're him, yeah, why would you not sit here and play this thing out and just see what happens? Maybe you do get that opportunity to start. Or, you know, there could be, you know, a time during this season where Drake May, you know, goes down with an injury. You know, Carolina had really good luck with Sam Howell. Somehow he only missed one game in his career despite the way that he played. But there's no guarantee that 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 injury luck is going to carry over. So, yeah, at this point, look, if you enter the transfer portal now, you can't go somewhere, sign on with a team, and play immediately. You're going to have to wait till next year anyway. So I, I think you're right. I think maybe at the end of the year, if this job is still on the hands of Drake May, then there is a chance that Jacoby Criswell enters the portal. But here's the other thing right now, you know, the team that many thought he would potentially look towards when there were rumors that they thought he could be looking to the transfer portal last year if he lost the backup battle is Arkansas. Well, Arkansas has got a pretty good quarterback in K.J. Jefferson of their own right now that they have some pretty high hopes for this year. Some people think he's potentially an outside Heisman threat, so... It's not a guarantee that if he goes there, he's going to be able to get playing time either. So that kind of, you know, ends up throwing a wrench into some of the plans that I think a lot of people had for him overall. Um, so we'll see. I, I would say right now it's a pretty safe bet that both of these guys will be on the roster for the entirety of this season. We'll see what happens as you go into next offseason. But that's getting a little ahead of ourselves. We're going to take a quick break. We'll let you hear uh, this week's ad from DraftKings. And then when we come back, we're going to take a look at the rest of the roster. Mac Brown revealed it earlier today. We'll take a look at the rest of the depth chart and talk about some of the things that surprised us. Stick around for that right here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Football fans, join the next generation of fantasy football with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game from DraftKings. It's the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Now you can play all season for millions in prizes by building the ultimate NFT franchise. Right now, everyone can get their first full roster starter pack for free. Playing Rainmakers is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player card NFTs of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions on DraftKings Marketplace. Craft lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and earn points for touchdowns, receptions, and more, just like daily fantasy football. Build your NFT franchise and enter free Rainmakers football contest all season long to compete for millions in prizes. The next generation of fantasy sports is here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now. Sign up with the promo code TPPN, click the Rainmakers tile, and opt in to get your first card free. Plus, play for millions in prizes all season long while building the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN. Build, play, win only at DraftKings. Contest entries dependent on type and number of NFTs held. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. Hey guys, welcome back in Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Anthony Pegnata, Josh Marlowe with you. 
Well, as I mentioned, there you know was the rest of the roster that was released, uh, or the depth chart rather, that was released uh, to the media on Monday. Mac Brown sat down, went through it individually, and sort of labeled guys off as blue squad guys or white team guys. Um, so. You know, again, well, uh, there was a question earlier. It's blue team or white team, I should say. Blue squad getting that mixed up a little bit with what we call uh, the group on the bench for Carolina of the walk-ons on the basketball side of things. But there was a blue team and white team. Uh, Blue team guys are guys that are seen as first-teamers, as starters, as guys that they could put out there right now and feel comfortable with in starting roles. The white team guys are guys that are working their way to boards being uh, potential starters at some time down the line or guys that they could rotate in and feel comfortable doing so. So, as we mentioned, a quarterback, Drake May is going to be your guy there with Jacoby Criswell as the backup. Uh, running back was pretty interesting. They, they, uh, Max said that it is going to be DJ Jones that is going to take the first snaps for Carolina. This one's not really all that shocking. I think the more shocking part is that both Caleb Hood and Elijah Green were banged up in the fall. DJ Jones, a guy that has struggled with injuries, was able to stay healthy throughout that entire stretch. So he is the guy that gets the leg up there. But he did say that he expects the running backs to play pretty significant or the freshman running backs to play pretty significant minutes uh here in this first game of the year they will see some snaps uh so this is really just going to be I think there's a chance you could see all five of these guys at some point during this first game uh wide receiver this one probably the one that's going to shock a few people the starters at wide receiver you've got Josh Downs clearly as you would expect but then it's J.J. Jones and Gavin Blackwell who will be on the outside Meanwhile, Kobe Paysauer is a guy who is right now seen as a white team member. He looked like he was one that was heading towards potentially being a starter, but that is no longer the case. He is going to be a guy uh, that will provide some depth in the slot. Um, And Mac Brown said he has seen some good things from him, but apparently not enough. Meanwhile, true freshman Andre Green Jr., also a white team member, and Justin Olsen is a guy that Mac Brown says has taken a step forward this year, also provides some versatility for them that they will use at least early on in the season. Noticeably absent, but only because of injury, is Antoine Green. He will be back on there once he does return. Tight end. Now, in the press conference, Kamari Morales... Bryson Nesbitt and John Copenhaver were all guys that were seen as players that could take reps at tight end. Uh, all of them were seen as blue squad guys, or as blue team members. But on the official one that was released, and I haven't seen it released anywhere else, but Toriel Illustrated posted this. Bryson Nesbitt is a guy that is apparently looked at as the third string tight end. There is an or next to Kamari Morales. And then right below him is John Copenhaver, but there is not an or next to Copenhaver's name, meaning that Bryson Nesbitt would be your third-string tight end. So that's that's rather interesting, especially because we have heard so many good things about Bryson Nesbitt. We saw him play well late last year, so that's certainly something to monitor there. Uh, meanwhile, on the offensive line, 
really, you know, as we mentioned, there are three spots that are pretty much sealed up here. Left tackle, Awesome Richards is your blue team member there. He's going to start. Ed Montalus will be your starter at left guard as the blue team member. Corey Gaynor is your starter at center as uh, the senior transfer from Miami. Also, Brian Anderson looked at as a guy that is a blue team member, according to Mac Brown, but it looks like he is going to be the guy that will back up the center position Part of the reason why they probably feel good about leaving him there is the amount of injuries that Carolina had there a year ago. Um, So you could see both of those guys switching on and off as uh, the season goes along. Meanwhile, at right guard, as of right now, I think you would probably give William Barnes the edge considering that Mac Brown talked about him first, but he has said that Jonathan Adorno is also a blue team member. He took a big step forward apparently in the fall, so... Right now, there is a chance that you could see Adorno start there and William Barnes could potentially start at right tackle if that gives them the best five. He is currently battling out there with Spencer Rolland, the transfer from uh, Harvard. Um, Interestingly enough about him, he did miss some practice here in the last couple of weeks uh, due to him going for his graduate business degree. So um, that is something that is certainly going to be worth monitoring um, as to whether or not that does hinder him a little bit and maybe open the door for Barnes to be the starter there and for Adorno to be the starter at right guard. In terms of the other guys that Mac Brown listed on the offensive line as white team members, he did list Zach Rice as a white team member. Part of that, I think, is because he missed those five days of practice uh, that Mac Brown mentioned in his press conference last week. I think that really set him back. Travion Green uh, has been a guy that has missed some practice as well, but has shown some really good things. The freshman, he's also w- listed as a white team member. And the white team member guard that will back up Ed Montelis will be Caden Baker. Uh, He makes the move inside from the tackle position that he played a year ago. We knew that he was sort of alternating between the two, another versatile guy that can play if needed. But uh, when you look at the offensive side of the ball, the rest of the offensive side of the ball, what are the things that kind of stand out to you? I have to admit, the first, really there are two things that stood out to me the most. The first being, and again, I'm not sure if this is actually the case, but if Bryson Nesbitt is not seen as a potential starter at tight end, that that really shocks me, especially because we don't see him on the wide receiver depth chart either. Yeah, and that would really put a nail in the coffin of my uh, my bold prediction for him. We both had him as breakout players, by the way, as well. Yeah, so that's, this, this that's upcoming nice. season. Um, I think the biggest thing is that if you look at the, the, the depth chart right now, and you look at that offensive line <laughs> – what one thing in common do all the starters have? Senior. They're seniors. And I, I really think that the offensive line could make or break what type of offense we see this season. If it's improved and it's revamped, I, I, it's definitely more talented. I think it's the deepest line Mac Brown's had. If the coaching change makes a difference, you can, I'm not going to say this offense won't miss a beat, but you can see this offense still be very productive early on in the season. Mm-hmm. If it's not, and we're still having the same issues we've had with you know, penalties and winning at the line of scrimmage and run block fits and stuff like that, maybe it's going to take a while for this offense to ever really find its form and stuff like that. So I love having that experience up there on the, on the starting offensive line. Well, I do think also this will be the difference with this group. If you start to see those struggles, I don't think they're going to be hesitant to go to some of these younger guys. Where last year, 
It was we're going to keep trying to trot these guys out there, and we're going to we're, we're going to somehow make it work. Where this year, as you mentioned, it feels like the depth is better. I mean, the fact you know we knew Zach Rice was going to be a guy that could come in and potentially make an immediate impact. And like I said, I think the only reason he's not a blue team member is because he missed those five days of practice. I don't think we thought Travion Green was going to be a guy that could come in and be an immediate impact, a guy that shows up on the two deep already. So I don't know about you, and and the step that Adorno took helps as well. I think if there are struggles here, they will not waste any time to say, you know what, we're going to throw some other guys out there. We're going to try to change things up. Because I think, like like you said, this in order for this offense to be successful, they need to have success up front. Yeah, no, there's really no excuse to to trot different guys in and out um, if they're struggling. Because I think you've seen the last couple years, whenever they've put the young guys on the field, they, they there was benefit. Even though they were more green and may were maybe playing off of instincts and stuff like that, their instincts usually proved right, and we saw benefit in seeing those. So... That experience up front is going to be a really big part of this offense. You know, can be the best version of itself. Running back, I mean, I, I don't think that's that's overly surprising. Um, I don't mind seeing the freshmen more because I think they're better players than all the three guys, four guys left at, listed ahead of them. But that tight end one's just really that's that one's really eye opening because, as you mentioned, another off season where we heard a lot about Bryson Nesbitt. I have emphasized the importance of this offense evolving into or taking that next step is getting that tight end involved. And, and and not to say that Kamari Morales cannot be a guy that you can utilize in the passing game and stuff like that. He just doesn't pose the same type of threat mismatches that Nesbitt does. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when they do line up on, on Saturday night because you got a young quarterback. They love to use those tight ends as a, as a safety valve. It will be interesting to see what tight ends or two we see on the field from time to time. Yeah, i got to tell you, I think – uh, like I mentioned, I mentioned it a little bit. I think the wide receivers are certainly worth looking at because I really did think that Kobe Paysauer was going to be a starter, um, but he is not. Um, Gavin Blackwell is one that I think some people may be surprised about, but if you go back and watch really the last week, week and a half of the videos that they have put out from practice, that they put out of the scrimmages, you will notice that number two on offense shows up a lot. I mean, just about every clip that they put up, it is that there are two, three plays of him doing something with the ball in his hand. So I think he is definitely a guy that has earned it. J.J. Jones, yeah, that's that's one that too is a little bit surprising, but it's good to see. Um, and I think that Andre Green Jr. is a guy that a lot of people were maybe a little bit surprised wasn't a blue team member with how quickly things took off for him. But I think the other thing to remember, like I talked about with Zach Rice, and and Green didn't miss any practice, but with those guys being so young, if they keep practicing at a high level, they are going to eventually be able to add their name into the rotation there. And I don't I don't think that it's just going to be those three guys that we're going to see out there on Saturday. I think we will see a lot of these other guys as well. We know Carolina likes to rotate their wide receivers. So I wouldn't read into that too much, but I did think it's interesting that those three are the ones that Mac Brown said will start the game for Carolina after we heard so much about Kobe Pacer, um, you know, earlier in the summer, after we heard about, you know, Bryson Nesbitt saw him start the spring game for Carolina at wide receiver and also heard so much about Andre Green Jr. Let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. 
And it starts up front. Raymond Vohasek uh, and Kevin Hester Jr. will be at the nose spot. Both of those guys are seen as blue teamers behind them. Keyshawn Silver and Travis Shaw seen as white teamers, guys that right now are still you know working to build themselves up. Uh, three technique, you've got Miles Murphy, uh, who will be there, as well as Javari, uh, Javari Ritzy, um, although he is going to be a guy that Mac Brown did confirm will be able to move back and forth between that three technique and that power end spot. Uh, Mac Brown's biggest thing uh, for both him and Murphy, both blue team guys, is that they have to be able to get co- uh, pressure on the quarterback out of that three technique spot. Um, Ritzy, you know, could be able to get it from that power end spot as well. Power end, you've got Dez Evans and uh, Kamen Rucker. Both of those guys will be blue team guys. I thought it was interesting that Mac Brown said either one of those guys could go out there first. I think you'll probably see Dez Evans out there first because they did list him first of the two, but uh, I think that both of those guys will probably see some significant time, as you would expect. The jack position, Noah Taylor, uh, who was a guy that was bragged about a ton in uh, in the spring. Uh, they haven't talked about him as much in the fall, but still a guy that uh, fits that jack position really, really well. He's a blue team uh, member there. Chris Collins, also a blue team member there. Mac Brown says he really likes what he's seen from him uh, so far in the fall, so it looks like he's a guy that is going to factor in once again this year. At linebacker, Three blue team members. You've got Cedric Gray, who returns from last year, of course. He'll be uh, the the main guy at the will spot. The Mike linebacker position will have Power Eccles, um, as we expected. And then Ra-Rod Dilworth will be the other guy out there for Carolina. Uh, that is a blue team member. Gene Chizik spoke very highly of him earlier today, so expect him to be uh, pretty heavily involved really out of the gate and expect Carolina to rotate those three linebackers. Sebastian Cheeks, uh, not quite a blue team member right now. Mac Brown says he is part of the white team, but uh, did compliment him and say that he is uh, really making a push so far. So uh, we expected that he would be a guy that Carolina uh, could be using by the end of the season. It looks like it's potentially setting up like that. Cornerbacks. Not really a shock with the first one. Tony Grimes, definitely a blue team member, as you would expect. Storm Duck, also a blue team member. But also Dante Balfour is a blue team member and uh, kind of interchangeable between him and Storm Duck. That uh, that that one depth chart that I saw earlier that Tar Heel Illustrated posted did actually have Balfour listed first of the two. Now, again... Never know, that could just be because they're going in alphabetical order, whatever, but that's not how it goes throughout the rest of the roster necessarily. So I think that is definitely worth noting. We know Balfour had a really good spring, but we thought with Storm Duck back fully healthy, uh, that would pretty much push him over the top, although I know that Carolina has toyed with the idea of using Storm Duck in that star position or the nickel spot. As of right now, that spot goes to DeAndre Boykins, who uh, is a blue team member right now. Mac Brown says uh, for now the plan is that he will take most of the snaps there. Meanwhile, the white team member is Obi Egbuna, a senior, um, a guy that uh, is going to, you know, in, into one of his final seasons there. Carolina get, has gotten to the point where they can feel comfortable using him. Also a corner, another guy that is a white team member, Marcus Allen, the true freshman that came in. Mac Brown said he likes what he's seen from him, but not ready to make him a blue team member just yet. At the safety spots, 
It is the same three guys from a year ago that started the year as uh, the the main guys. You have Cameron Kelly, the senior, who is going to be back at the uh, field safety spot, as they list it. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the boundary safety will be Giovanni Biggers, um, or it'll be Don Chapman. Both of those guys are considered to be uh, blue team members. And then Will Hardy who is another true freshman that came in, really impressed, did some nice things. He is going to be the white team member there. The guy that is not here that is noticeable and a guy that I thought would potentially be the top backup for this group was uh Sean Day-Day Hollins. He is coming back, of course, from the knee injury last season. I'm shocked not to see him on here. As far as I know, he is a guy that is fully healthy, um, and it seems like he's been going through practice. Mac Brown has talked about him. They haven't said anything about him still working to get back on the field. So the fact that he is not on uh, either part, you know, any part of the two deep here, and is not a part of either the blue team or white team, is very, very interesting. Uh, One other thing to mention there: they did mention this right before the start of the press conference. Legend Cavazos, the other corner, uh, the guy that most people thought would start opposite of Tony Grimes and allow Storm Duck to officially move inside. He is day-to-day right now. Uh, He has missed about the last 10 days of practice, was what Jeremy Sharp was saying uh, right before Mac Brown got on. And as of right now, it is kind of a wait-and-see with him. You would imagine it's Florida A&M. They're probably not going to rush him for that game. They'd much rather have him for the next weekend's game up at the Rock against App State. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. But when you look at this defensive depth chart, is there anything that really sticks out to you? I think this one probably provides fewer question marks because it's really just more about how much rotation they'll be able to have. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think, um, you know, I think the best thing about it is you look at the guys that are listed on, you know, the second team or on that two deep. If they're rotating those guys in, I think our trust factor with those guys to come on the field and there not be a significant drop-off in production is as high as it's been since Mac Brown's gotten here. And that was a big issue with Jay Bateman's defenses his first couple but before he got fired was that they just weren't deep enough. Their starters, when they when the scheme when they were schemed right, the starters could play and play at a high level. But by the second half of the season, our guys were worn down and stuff like that. The staff's done a really good job building up the depth, adding the talent also there to where now they can rotate these guys in and out. That's something that you know Gene Chizik is going to be big on because he wants his guys to be um, as fresh as possible, especially for if you're hoping to compete for you know an an ACC Coastal title Mm -hmm. and you've got some important games from the middle of October on. So I think that's very noticeable. Um. Yeah. You know. I'm. 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 I know. I'm excited to see what Noah Taylor's going to bring to this defense. Big year for Des Evans. But you know, you and I, we were big fans of Cayman Rucker a year ago. Um. We even even Javari Ritzy at times last year before he just kind of got overwhelmed at, at certain points in the season. I'm really excited to see him. You know how I feel about Power Eccles and Ra Ra Dilworth. I do think at some point they'll be sitting side by side and you know on the field together making plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and that secondary, it's 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 going to be a lot of fun to watch because I think it's a, it's a talented group, it's a deep group, and it's going to be something where if those guys can really take the ball away and make plays on the ball, something this defense has struggled to do as of late, um, it could be the difference in this defense getting to where we need him to be. And I said it today 
on, on, on air where we work. We need this defense to be average. That's all we're asking. We're not asking for to be a top 25 defense, a top 50 defense, to just be an average defense. Well, top, top 50 would be about clo- close enough to average. There's 134 teams. Let's strive for top 50. So, like, you know, this team was 0-7 in games last year where they scored less than 34 points. 0-7. Ugh. Like, you're, you're wanting your defense to be able to get you in a game where if you're playing 28-24, you can win those games. Yep. And and I do feel like this is a group that right now on paper fully healthy or as healthy as you know as they might be all season long. I do think that's a group that you 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 could see us winning games like that because I think if you beat App State, if you beat Notre Dame, I don't think you're outscoring those teams. I think you're beating them with with defense and field position and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like right now the way this defense is constructed. Something we said the last couple of years under Jay Bateman. But I think we be- I think we were convincing ourselves more than believing it. I believe this defense can be what it what it can be under under Gene Chizik, which is an average defense. Well, the thing that honestly just stuns me when I look at this is that there's so much talent here, but doesn't it feel like some of these guys are in roles that fit themselves better than the roles that they were in in Jay Bateman's defense, which makes absolutely no sense considering who were they recruited by Jay Bateman how why would you recruit guys that don't fit your system but guys like Des Evans Kamen Rucker both of those guys I think will thrive at the power end spot not having to play sort of that four eye technique that they had to play a year ago like look man Kamen Rucker did some really good things I think Kamen Rucker's a tremendous run defender and can get after the quarterback as well the fact that that guy was having to match up at times against guards is just insane to me. He doesn't have the body style to be able to do that. That's why they didn't have as much success. This defensive system, I think, lends better to those guys having success. And the overall depth, I mean, we've talked about it, you know, especially on that defensive line. I didn't even mention Kedrick Bingley-Jones, who's now a, a white squad member. He's finally healthy. And you've also got Jaleel Taylor. Who knows where he'll fit into the rotation if he's able to get back on the field this year. He's still recovering from injury. That That's a group that is as loaded. I mean, you, you mentioned it, I think it was on the last edition or maybe the previous edition before that of the podcast. That's about as deep as the defensive line has been since Butch Davis was here. Mm-hmm. And if there's one thing that you can say about the Butch Davis era, it was that those teams were incredibly deep. And look, there was a reason why heading into that 2010 season, there were a lot of people, not only in the Toriel community, but nationally that thought that could be a legitimate title contender because of just how much depth and talent that they had. This roster, I mean, it's getting there. I don't want to say they're on that level in terms of talent because a lot of these guys still have to prove it, but they've definitely got it, I think, up front. Now it's about those guys breaking out. And then, you know, the secondary, I think you're right on as well. Another guy that we didn't mention there that's currently out injured, Jacorius Conley, remember, he will be added back to this group at some point. I would assume that he's probably going to be looked at at safety um, instead of you know the nickel spot. I think they're especially if they're planning on moving Storm Duck there, they're probably going to want to have Jaquarius Conley back there at safety. But it's up to these other guys to prove that you know they can hold on to those positions at least for now, or even when Conley gets back. And the biggest thing for that unit, I don't know if it's a talent 
problem? Because remember last year, we heard so much about how good Giovanni Biggers was before the season started. But he got onto the field, and and late in the year, he was banged up with some injuries. There's no doubt about that. He had a surgery in the offseason, missed all of, all of spring. So I think a lot of those guys were potentially banged up as the year went along. But the biggest problem for them was communication. That's been stressed from day one by this staff, and especially on the back end of that defense, that's where it needs to be stressed. So I think, yeah, there is so much talent here. And the one thing that I'm looking at with this depth and the amount of guys that were labeled as blue team guys, it's just like what I talked about with that offensive line. If guys struggle, it does not feel like there is going to be a hesitance to remove guys because Mac Brown said something today, and I hope he sticks by this, and we will, we will look at this quote throughout the rest of the year. He is not, in, in a roundabout way, he is not going to accept mediocrity. You need to look at what you saw last year, and if we see any signs of that this year, if you see signs of guys taking plays off, whatever, they will be removed from the game, and we will put other guys in the game. You need guys that are committed to playing because last year there were guys that simply were not committed to playing. And, you know, again, all these things that he says now, you look back on and say, yeah, you're probably right. There were guys that you could tell last year – were, you know, for, for lack of a better term, were half-assing it through some games that were taking games off, that thought there were easy games on the schedule. Mac Brown said, look, this group has to believe there's no easy games on the schedule. And to be honest with you, outside of Florida A&M, is there really an easy game on the schedule? Is there a guaranteed win on the schedule? Because we've heard so much about how Georgia State is now apparently Death Valley We've heard how tough of an environment that's going to be to go into as a group of five schools. So that's the belief that this team has to have. And if there are guys that are not playing up to their potential, pull them out, put somebody else in, live with the results. Yeah. um, Let me pass along some wisdom to you. Here we go. As you mentioned, you're going to focus on that quote throughout the season. I did the same thing. Uh, after Hubert Davis mandated after a third blowout loss that he was going to play the players that he were deemed worthy of playing, and then he literally started the same starting five that got blown out the next game. And at some point in all that built-up frustration, it led me to go down a road to effectively firing Hubert Davis. So let's hold him accountable. Someone needs to hold Mac Brown accountable. Um. I will just caution you that if he's not doing it because this is the same guy who told us last year with a 3-3 three and three football team that was preseason top 10, we should be happy with the results. He may not be a, a true man to his word. To not rush into such harsh judgment and fire him. I, I won't do that, but I will say this, is that I believe, look, there's enough talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that if there are guys that we can clearly point to this year and say, look, that guy is not playing well enough to be on the field, you listed another guy at his position as a blue squad member. Put that guy on the field. He needs to do that. You've talked about how this is the deepest team you have and how you are the, the bench is your friend. We have not heard that term. We didn't hear that last year. We didn't hear that. We heard we heard last year there were depth concerns, and there are areas that they do have depth concerns this year. He said it earlier today. There are depth concerns at wide receiver, and there are depth concerns at linebacker. But other than that, 
and especially with the roster that we're looking in front of us here and the guys that he laid laid out to us as Blue Squad members, there should be enough guys here where if somebody is struggling that bad, if they are taking needless penalties, whatever, you can take these guys off the field. And look, this coaching staff, just as a whole, it's not only on Mac Brown. It is up to the position coaches as well to look. If you see a guy that is struggling that bad, you need to hold these guys accountable. I'm not saying that, look, that person ain't playing the rest of the year. But in that game, you need to go with what is best, reward the guys that are playing hard, and I think that, you know, if they do that, this team is motivated enough. And that's the other thing. You got to give credit to the players. We have heard Mac Brown talk all offseason about how this is a, a group that has played hard from the word go and that they did not a year ago. And I got to tell you, going back and listening to the press conferences a year ago, what was a lot of the press conferences? It was Mac Brown trying to sort of hold back on the hype, saying, look, we haven't really accomplished much. There wasn't really talk about, look, this team is grinding every day to be that number 10, number 8 team, whichever poll you wanted to go by team in the country. This year it's different. You hear that there is that added sense of urgency, that guys are being demanded uh, to you know perform at the highest level. And you're seeing a lot more oars on this depth chart than in years before, meaning there is more competition overall, and it seems to be with better talent. So I think this team has a chance to be pretty good. I think you will know pretty quickly, just like you know you did last year, as to whether or not this team is going to be pretty good. I think four weeks into the season, just like you did a year ago, you are going to have a pretty good understanding of where this team will be. Of course, what happened last year in the fourth game of the season? They lost to Georgia Tech. This The fourth game this season, a little bit different in Notre Dame, but I think you'll have a pretty good feeling for where exactly this team is at by that point in the season. Really quickly, I did want to run over the uh, special teams depth chart as well. I won't really talk in depth about this at all. Um, Jonathan Kim, Noah Burnett, apparently going back and forth still at place kicker, although it seems like Jonathan Kim is going to be the guy that's going to get the start there uh, as of today on Saturday. Uh, Ben Kiernan looks like he has locked up the punter spot. He beats out Cole Maynard, even though Maynard gave him a little bit of a push there. The good news is for Cole Maynard, even if he has to wait another year, he'll take over, still have three years of eligibility uh, to be able to be the team's punter. Kickoff. As you would expect, Jonathan Kim, one of the better ones in the country, back in that role as well. Josh Downs will be your punt returner. Kick returner, Mac Brown said it's completely up in the air. The one that was put out by Tar Heel Illustrated earlier today has uh, Omarion Hampton and Caleb Hood as the two guys that will potentially return kicks. Omarion Hampton being the top guy, so that's certainly interesting because that was not a name that we heard from the original group that Mac Brown said we're going through uh, kick return drills back early in August at the start of camp. Uh, long snapper, Drew Little will handle both of those roles once again this season. And the holder, no matter what, will be Ben Kiernan. So that is going to uh, wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Make sure that you guys are heading over to the website, HeelsUpBlog.com. I'm going to go a little more in-depth on the roster, uh, or excuse me, on the depth chart, and uh, break it all down for you guys, give you thoughts on each position group uh, and what I thought about the depth chart that was released uh 
You know, there are, as I mentioned, I will go a little more in depth on uh, DeAndre Hollins not being a guy that is up there. I really thought he would be a part of that group, but uh, he is not. So that is a bit shocking to see. We'll talk to you all about that on the website. We'll also have breakout candidates and uh, and the bold predictions uh, edition that will go up. Those articles will be going up. Of course, we just did those podcast editions, but make sure that you guys are heading over to the website uh, and checking those out where we go a little more in-depth on those. Also, uh, we will be getting you ready for the start of the season uh, on Saturday. We will have a preview for you for the Florida A&M game, as well as the recap afterwards, the trench report and the stock report, all that great stuff coming back this year to the website, so make sure that you guys are keeping an eye out for that as we roll through week zero of the college football season, but the first week for Carolina. And also, here in the middle of this week before Carolina kicks it off, Carolina's got a big target out of the state of Virginia that is deciding. Paul Billups uh, will be deciding his college commitment. We will be on that for you guys on the website. We'll have a preview of the commitment. And then afterwards, if Carolina does land him, we will have an article about Carolina landing his commitment. So uh, make sure that you guys are keeping an eye out on that. HeelToughBlog.com. You can also do that on the social media pages. That's the best place to find all the great content in one central location. At Heel Tough Blog on Facebook, at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter. You got the articles, you've got the podcast editions, you got the waveform editions of the podcast, all of those in one central spot at both of those locations. And then you can head over to our personal pages as well. We put all that same stuff up there, but also go a little more in depth uh, with some of our personal tweets and everything like that. At HDB Anthony for me, at HDB underscore Josh for Josh, and at HackZubber2. For Zach Hubbard. Also, make sure that if you guys do listen to the podcast, that you are checking it out wherever you listen to your podcast. And when you do, you rate, review, and subscribe. Rating and reviewing, of course, helps us out a little bit, can move us up some of those rankings to be more easily found by those that haven't found us just yet. While the subscribe button, that is for you guys so you don't miss any of the additions of the podcast as we get ready to go fully into in-season mode. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tarius.